Welcome to A Taco American. This is Mikey Fresh here. I'm here with Marcus Williams and Greg Burnham uh, of Tuskegee Airs. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Pretty good. That's great. That's great. So, uh, just so that people would know, uh, what exactly is T- Tuskegee Airs? What is it all about? Um, it is a science sci-fi uh, adventure that's going to be set uh, about 80 years into the future from now. Mm-hmm. And it is a obvious nod to the Tuskegee Airmen. Yes. Um, we're going to have a young black cast of pilots that are learning how to pilot planes in a time where human piloting is going to be outlawed. Um, so they are secretly training. They're going to be uh, they are being groomed by an actual descendant of the Tuskegee Airmen mm-hmm. uh, in an effort to you know get them ready for uh, a looming war that's going to be taking place. And uh, short, surely enough. They are going to have to use everything from, you know, the history of the Tuskegee Airmen to uh, world history, American history, uh, African-American history, and use all of the, you know, training that they've amassed over the time that they've been, you know, practicing how to fly these planes in order to actually come against this threat of these, um, it's not aliens, but it's going to be a machine organic machine hybrid uh, army that's going to be manipulated by some pretty shady folks that, you know, we have yet to reveal. Mm-hmm. But um, we're definitely, the, the core basis of the show or the series, I should say, is going to be, you know, combining science fiction, uh, high technology, you know, um, action adventure, comedy with real actual history and we're going to present that to um, a wide audience starting from seven years old up you know seven years old and 70. Mm-hmm. that is the that's the goal of the series okay so how exactly did you come about the actual um premise and you know the concept of this series it was a it was a conversation that started um between uh we were, we were doing a book signing Mm-hmm. And uh, I had had the idea a couple of months ago to because I was doing a young young heroes um, illustration, I guess you can say push, which is an effort to show you know comic book heroes, primarily uh, black comic book heroes, uh, whether in Marvel or DC. And I was uh, picking you know well known characters such as you know uh, Blade. Falcon, uh, Black Panther, Storm, uh, you name it, it, and the list just kept going on. Uh, and I was just turning those characters into young characters, if not, you know, teenagers. They were, you know, something like preteen. And so, in that, in my thinking of that, I was like, man, it'd be great if I can actually just turn the Tuskegee Airmen into just a whole young cast of pilots. But, you know, I was a little worried about the actual legal implications. Uh, I know yeah. George Lucas made a movie. Uh, so I was a little worried and a little yeah. intimidated about doing that. So I didn't move forward with it. Um, fast forward to the conversation we had. Me, uh, It was a, a older gentleman that actually uh, was in aviation. And he was uh, talking about his frustrations. How young kids have not, they don't have enough interest into, you know, um, piloting and, and, you know, the history of it and so forth. 
And I just told him, I said, man, I've, I've been thinking about making a young cast of the Tuskegee Airmen. And I mean, the conversation kind of just spilled over. Greg was sitting right next to me. So from there, I mean, we just started talking about it. Um, and everything kind of spilled forward from that. We uh, we got home uh, after the uh, after the event. And I mean, we just started plugging at the concept and the premise of, you know, what if their their planes could transform into robots? You know, and that's where the whole science fiction and the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the 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 obvious nod to Robotech and Gundam, yeah. you know, putting young kids in giant robots, things like that. Anime has been doing that for a long time. So, yeah, but we've never seen a black cast, a young black cast of pilots doing anything like that. So, yeah. Now, OK, when I I'm uh, a frequent contributor to Kickstarter and I know you guys had a Kickstarter that actually just ended. Yes. Uh, maybe a couple, maybe a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your, before I actually get into that part, um, I'm like, for my show, as many shows as I've done for this podcast, I constantly talk about Mecha. I love Mecha anime. So when right. I was going through Kickstarter and I saw you guys and I saw that your jets, uh, your aircrafts turned into robots, like you said, like, Robotech and Gundam and that kind of thing, probably more Gundam wing than anything else. Are you guys like big fans of Mecha or is it, you know, you're just fans of anime in general? Um, uh, this is Marcus. I'm a, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of, um, I mean, you, you can go as far back as, uh, and granted, there's older, older mech, mech cartoons. Yeah, Gundam, Gundam's pretty old. But I mean, absolutely huge fan of anime in general. Um, but that encompasses, you know, Gundam. Gundam Wing, all the you know iterations of that. Yeah, yeah. But we had you know you, you had Voltron, of course. You know you had um, well Robotech, Vehicle and, Voltron or Lion Voltron, Lion Lion Voltron. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's like that's like a whole conversation on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, no, no. The old school, old school Voltron. Um, you know, and these you know these cartoons were late late seventies, early eighty things like exactly. that. A lot of them. Um, but you know, as soon as I reached, as soon as they reached my eyes, I, I was born in '81. But you know, as soon as that stuff got to me, it was you know absolute, absolute fandom. I was just like, that's freaking amazing. So um, uh, things like that. Yeah, I'm absolute fans of. I uh, love big robots, man. Every every. Uh, I can't say I watched them all, but I've I've watched a good good number of them. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, uh, in regards, what about you, Greg? Uh, are you a fan, or is it you know you're more into maybe some other type of uh, comics, cartoons, um, or anime? I honestly, I'm you know as far as like Voltron and everything back in the day. Excuse me, I did you know enjoy that franchise, but um, it took a little bit of convincing. Actually, Marcus and my son uh, double teamed me <laughs> and. <laughs> Like, to make me understand, because at first I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, just be, you know, like, copying off a of Gundam or anything like that. But when they started explaining that there's a whole line, you know, like, there's a, a genre, pretty much. Yes. Uh, for mechs, that helped. And then I actually started looking at them. And, you know, I'm always into making sure that our story is as unique as possible in this day and age. Yeah. Pretty much everything has been told, but... You know, you know, just making sure that we can kind of stand out and do something different. And so yeah. once they assured me that, you know, 
this is you know it's an actual genre i yeah. felt more comfortable comfortable with it um so i've become like over the last couple of months i can say that i've become more of a fan of it that's great that's great that's cool because i know i've been a fan for a long long time uh for mecca i i of course by the name otaku alone it's right. indicative of me being a fan of anime and that kind of thing but uh like i said my bread and butter is mecca and sports anime regardless of what like i watch pretty much anything in regards to those two genres but yeah. And uh, in regards to Kickstarter, what made you guys decide you guys wanted to use Kickstarter as your platform? I think from the time we released, like, the first uh, image and we detailed a little bit of the concept, uh, we had, like, an outpour where people were, uh, you know, like, basically extorting us, like, you guys better go on, you know, I'll put money on it, you know. So uh, Marcus had previously uh done a kickstarter for supernatural mm-hmm. um so that also helped because we were already kind of familiar with it yeah we we tooled around we were thinking you know of the gofundmes and all of those but we really like the integrity part of the kickstarter which yeah. says that you know if you give you put you pledge your money and we're gonna give you something back and if we don't reach our goal, then you don't, you know, you're not going to get charged anything. Uh, we did like that part because I think that's like a check, check and balance, so to speak, to yeah. make sure that, you know, we, you know, it's like we feel obligated to really push this project with the passion. Uh, so I think those were some of the determining factors for us to actually go with Kickstarter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, in regards to Kickstarter, well, let me just throw this out there. Uh, I had also, I was one of the people who actually donated to the uh, to CE Airs. Like I said, I saw the transforming of the, aside from the knowing the story of the Tuskegee Airmen, I, it was just a, a huge bonus and plus that, one, it was African Americans who were actually developing this story. Two, that it was uh, transforming robots. I would say number one was probably the transforming robots, and number two was the, uh, <laughs> was the, uh, the story of the Tuskegee Airmen. How many, uh, in regards to Tuskegee Airmen, how many um, people who are closely tied to the original story and his- history of that uh, group did you have like contact with when making the storyline and the uh, concept? It wasn't, uh, I-, I can say honestly, we, we made an effort uh, in order to really feel confident with moving forward with this we made a conscious decision to um make sure we're not we're not actually using any uh names mm-hmm. from any of the actual pilots we're not going to directly you know um pinpoint any of the actual names because mm-hmm. and, you know it, it would be uh without permission it would be very rude and you know we didn't we didn't yeah. want to go that route so uh we say descendant but yes. we, we may not really release you know ever really get to it unless we you know hear from a specific family that says please use my uncle so uh, (laughs) other than that uh we didn't we didn't actually um hear from any specific you know person or family or individual uh but we got a huge outpouring of people that were associated or you know their family their great grandfather their 
you know, their mother, their, their aunt, things like that, that were all very connected to the Tuskegee Airmen. We had a huge outpouring of people showing their support, saying, you know, how awesome it was, how passionate they would be if we actually did the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and, and why they wanted this, why they needed this, all these things. So that we got a lot of, but uh, not necessarily a direct uh, contact. Of course. And, and and I will say that we did have, we had uh, descendants reach out. We had some people that like, and it's funny, but they're like, I'm an actual Tuskegee heir. And I think mm-hmm. uh, the good part about it was that they had like such positive feedback. Uh, like Marcus said, we were, we were careful and it's not like we, we don't want it to look like, you know, that's all it is is you know it's a Tuskegee Airmen ripoff because it's really not we think that the story would stand either way like if we took that off it's I think it's still we can still make the story stand so it's not built necessarily on the Tuskegee Airmen so to speak so we didn't want to go out and get the rallying cry from everybody and say oh it's endorsed by actual no we want the story to stand on its own so, uh, but we have had, like, I've had several uh, people that were, you know, like daughters of Tuskegee Airmen or grandchildren that have reached out and just told us they really love what we're doing and, you know, keep going. Some of them have actually, you know, pledged to the Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, the whole night. So it's, you know, it, it's just a fine line. Like Marcus said, we don't want to do anything because if one person that's related if we were to use someone's name if one person felt disrespected or didn't like it then we feel like we would be doing a a disservice to what the tuskegee airmen were all about you know yes yes i understand It, uh, it 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 makes sense in regards to uh just the way that you said like if someone doesn't like it then it kind of throws everything off its kilter or whatever but um how did you guys like start in animation and writing? I guess starting the funny thing is I met Marcus. This is Greg. Mm-hmm. I met Marcus about you know fifteen or sixteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I met him, I was looking for somebody because I had this idea for a comic book. Yes. And so uh, my homeboy introduced me to Marcus, and you know he won't admit it, but I think you know I thought he was really dope back then mm-hmm. <laughs> uh now he's made you know he's got a lot better but he was still good back then and we kind of just uh instantly kind of hit it off he has a really good ability to take what you tell him like if you tell him how you want something to look he'll make it look like that but usually he makes it look a little bit better yeah <laughs> so uh you know that was easy but then we you know when we started like we're actually talking about all these concepts and stuff and he started actually adding, you know, adding to the story. And so, you know, we just kind of, you know, worked. We put together a comic book and it was cool and we were selling it, but we didn't really know what we were doing. So we weren't making any money. Uh, so we ended up, you know, kind of after a little, like not even a whole year, we ended up kind of tabling that. We started looking for other, you know, things. So, uh, we did some other stuff that was not really writing related. There was still art. I guess I was writing some. Like we did like a hip hop based website. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that was pretty well. That went pretty well. But, you know, the people that we actually were in business with besides each other, uh, you know, we weren't, it just wasn't working really. So, uh, you know, we ended up quitting that. And then, you know, I told Marcus, I was like, I got these ideas for these uh, children's books. You know, let's go ahead and put one together. So we did one, and that worked out. We did another, and around that same time, Marcus started working at Hero Cats, working on Hero Cats. Mm-hmm. You can tell him about Hero Cats. Yeah, um, it, it's, I mean, I've been illustrating uh, for close to about, professionally about 16 years now. But yeah, once, once, and I've been doing comic art, I just had never worked on an actual comic book. You know, I've done comic covers, I've done comic characters, things of that nature. But uh, once I started working on Hero Cats, it was um, my humble beginnings into the comic industry, I guess you can say. Uh, I started doing the the comic book conventions, um, things of that nature. And slowly but surely, you know, three years after that, I'm going to New York and I'm drawing up, you know, commissions left and right uh, for New York Comic Con and so forth. So I... I definitely got my feet wet in terms of comic book and the industry and learned exactly what we did wrong, you know, 15 years ago. Yes. Yeah, uh, full circle in terms of, I guess, uh, wanting to be in the comic industry to learning intimately what it takes to be successful just with a, you know, just creating a book. So here we are, uh, you know, kickstarting a new comic book series. And um, we're going to use all that information. As far as animation, I understand animation. It is uh, a new frontier in terms of actually, you know, aspiring to create a full series. Yes. Um, but luckily, we've been, we've been in contact with a lot of people that are absolutely passionate in, in helping us to make this a reality. So they're feeding us all this great information, um, solutions to the problems we're going to be facing, things like that. Uh, they're very willing to, you know, help out with some of the pitfalls that a lot of people make. But we're absolutely, you know, wholeheartedly um, sold on getting this in front of kids in that in that animated light. We want to see this as a cartoon where um, you can see, we, we said it in another interview, imagine if, you know, Voltron or Transformers or Ninja Turtles, they never became cartoons, you know, and a lot of those yeah. uh, Ninja Turtles started off as a comic, but the comic was very different, you yes. know, very, very different from very much, much darker. So uh, yeah. than the uh, cartoon, uh, but as soon as it became a cartoon, it became a worldwide brand, you know, and it's just easier to process something that is that's uh, on TV or uh, in this case, uh, whether it be on Netflix or online or on demand. It's uh, something that, you know, kids will be able to process much faster. Mm-hmm. So in regards to someone who's just starting out, since you said, like you said, you you guys started doing things together about 15 years ago mm-hmm. and things that you've learned then that you applied to this uh, project now, what would you what would be some advice you would give people who are trying to get kind of into that business? I mean, the, 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 the key things in it, 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 you can apply it to life in general, really, is whatever you're aspiring to do, make sure you're passionate about it. And if you're passionate about it, you're going to learn um, the ins and outs of that of that, uh, that aspiration, whether it is you want to become a guitar player or a football 
coach or, you know, you name it. You know, you want to be the next tennis player that, <laughs> that makes it pro or something. Um, make sure you're passionate about it. If you're doing something you're passionate, you're going to put vastly more energy. And uh, when, you're, when you're staying up late nights, you know, trying to research all the, the right things to do with it, it's not going to feel like you're, you're doing a chore. You're going to be feeding your, your passion. So um, we wanted to do comics a long time ago. And uh, I remember telling Greg years ago, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to do comics, man, until I know five steps ahead how we can make this uh, a successful business. You know, uh, I know you throw money at stuff, but as far as, you know, we did that before. Yeah. And, you know, we instantly lost money as soon as we, had, you know, created it. So my thing is, yeah, is first, you know, make sure you're passionate about it and then research the business. I mean, literally talk to as many people as you need to and talk to successful people. If you don't know them or you can't reach them, look up videos where they're speaking about their success and their, you know, their pitfalls and their their, their strategies that they that they use. Uh, if you can't find that, pick up a book that that talks about the industry you're trying to get into. You know, basically immerse yourself in that whatever you're trying to get into, and educate yourself. So those those are the big things. Like I said, you can apply it to life in general. Exactly. So, but that that would be my biggest. Uh, biggest thing and then be realistic you know let your let your expectations be realistic if it's something you're trying to put out to thousands of people if you're trying to go public with a concept really fine-tune your craft make sure your 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 craft is up to par make sure you have the quality level of what you're you're wanting to put out there because you you you'll most likely be frustrated if people don't receive what you're trying to put out and a lot of artists are especially comic artists um, they'll put all of this work and they'll say, yeah, I got 12 issues of my comic out, but the quality isn't there or the writing, you know, the stories just aren't really tight. You know, um, you can't just put it together and expect people to instantly become fans of it. And that's that's a huge thing between uh, Greg and myself over all of these years. Quality has always been at the forefront to say if we can't do it the way we want to, we're not going to do it. So. Yeah, and I think, uh, like Marcus said, the the five steps ahead thing is a real thing because what I've learned from like writing the children's books is that you like everybody pretty much believes in their idea and they think that their product is going to, uh, you know, be the thing that's gonna make millions of dollars. But uh, the truth be told is that like once you actually create that book, you create that product, that's when the real work has to come in. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, you know, back in the day where there was a limited amount of con- content that comes out. You know, there's like uh, every day I feel like I meet somebody that either is writing a book or they're work. you know, they already wrote a book. So it's like you have to be able to do the other things that are going to, you know, make your book successful, which is, you know, knowing how to market it, knowing how to price your book. Like I've seen people that have like unrealistic prices for their children's books so it's like you can only sell a children's book for so much you know yeah uh and so it's you know like getting a a full understanding of the of the business and uh the other thing is not stretching yourself too thin uh where it's like people like if you have to spend so much money getting something produced 
you know, by the, you know, that's usually where you come up with these outrageous prices, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like, don't, don't stretch yourself too thin, take your time and learn. And it's a real thing. Like we, you know, like Marcus said, this, we've been doing this for a long time. It might not look like it cause you know, we're just kind of scratching the surface. Um, but we've been doing it a long time and we learned so much in this time. Mm -hmm. So what would you, uh, like, what were some of your influences growing up in regards to, obviously you watched Transformers and Robotech and things of that nature, but maybe some other things outside of those genres that you made, that you were interested in growing up and influenced you in what you do now? Uh, definitely artistically. I mean, I, I got a hold of my first comic book at the age of seven, mm-hmm. roughly, and it was a Wolverine comic, and it was uh, drawn by Jim Lee at mm-hmm. the time. So, um, art. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I should I, if I, I got to back up. Video games was first, because <laughs> uh, as soon as we got a hold of the Nintendo and all those great games that followed, we had an Atari, of course, but Nintendo kind of unlocked. Uh, the, the the console you know um, genre of storytelling you know really really uh, these 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 great stories on these eight uh, bit platforms and so forth um, so storytelling and and really really visual mediums hit me first so it went from video games cartoons um, to you know comic books and then animation uh, and I say animation I should say and I said cartoons but I mean Japanese animation um, I remember seeing an image back then of Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. and all of them were in... I didn't know what it was at the time. I was like, why Why on earth are all? do they all look the same? They all had yellow hair. It was a whole lineup. I didn't even know what a Super Saiyan was at the time, but I was like, that looks dumb. You know, and I, I, I left it at that. I didn't touch, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z until years later when I was an adult. But, um, yeah, it, it was... Um, anime started to actually uh, touch... Touch my uh, touch my eyeballs when I started seeing, you know, um, these different takes. You know, um, I think when when Cartoon Network at the time put on, um, oh geez, what was that show called? Uh, Toonami. Yes, Toonami. Yeah, Toonami. Their, their animation block. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. that introduced uh, that opened my brain. I'm like, wait a minute, what is this stuff here? This is brand new. Mm-hmm. Uh, brand new stories, and I, you know, it, it, I, I'd seen Ninja Scroll, before, oh. but I didn't, I didn't understand the concept of a whole yeah. series of telling these stories. So it just opened. That's when I started hunting and you know, really seeking out. And uh, at the time, they had like little anime shops popping up here and there. They didn't yeah. last very long, but um, yeah, you got you got to rent anime films from you know imported sources and so forth. Uh, yeah, they weren't they weren't English. Uh, speaking, you had to read subtitles, but the yeah. library opened up to me, and this was before, this was before the internet was really yeah. kicking. You know, Cause I because I remember I believe Blockbuster and those video uh, rental yeah rental places, which you know the kids who are listening now won't even know anything about oh, yeah. that, yes. but yes. <laughs> uh, but they used to have like. Uh, Akira and yeah. um, Dragon Ball and mainly yeah. like some of the ones that like Samurai X that kind of thing Oh yeah. and I would go in there and I'm like oh man I need to rent this and I need to rent that and my mom and dad would be like yeah you're going to have to wait 
So, <laughs> but yeah, that like you, uh, I'm a, I was born in 1980. So, uh, I think most of our experiences are roughly the same, right. uh, of course, different regions, that kind of thing. But, yeah. um, yeah, growing up, you know, like you said, there were some anime sh- shops and, uh, things of that nature, but it seemed like as soon as they popped up, they went, they closed. So, right, right, right. But, especially I mean, you know, in Jersey. How do, you, how do you, how do you find your market? Yeah. And people don't know where to go to get your stuff, you know, and so I, I only went in there because um, I think I was walking past and I saw the, the they had the little toy, you know, robot. They had the Gundam sets yeah. in the window. And I'm like, what? What is that? This yeah. looks cool. You know, and I go in there and it's uh, it's one person behind the counter. And, you know, you got all this anime, Japanese animation stuff you'd never seen before. It looked like some sort of mistake shop, you know, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be there. But yeah, as soon as, as soon as you start opening up and talking, you know, I I I was renting stuff and watching it and bringing it back and like, hey, so what is this? This looks cool. What is that? Yeah. You know, and just renting new stuff. And that's when uh, when the internet, you know, even when the internet came out, you know, it wasn't it wasn't. I mean, we had AOL, instant messaging. You know, we didn't have the YouTube's. We didn't have <laughs> yeah. You know, we didn't have people sharing and and you know, op- uh, I guess bridging that gap that divides so yeah uh, eventually though i mean as soon as that library became available man i was i was digesting stuff from you know the 80s you know and i'm like oh my god they were doing this animation back in in the 80s yeah so older animes that were still freaking amazing compared uh uh, akira surprisingly is still you know one of those films it's sad to say it's a cult classic when it is, you know, it still holds up to being better than, um, you know, a huge percentage of animation production, you know, that that comes out of Hollywood, you name it. Yeah. You know, they spent millions on that on that piece, and it was in the eighties. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because uh, I like I was thinking like it's funny because like you said animation and you're referring to Japanese animation, but right. a lot of times people seem to forget that like you know we've mentioned Transformers before. Right. Transformers in Japan was more or less less a cartoon, more of an actual like anime, really. Right. Because even when it like died out in the states, it was still in its anime form in Japan. Because let's be honest, robots will never die in Japan, no. so no. they will always have robots in Japan. So, but um, so a lot of the cartoons we grew up with were actually, you know, a lot of them were actually just anime Ports. that were just pointed over here, and at the time, you know, they didn't know what to call it, so right. they just called it a cartoon and just let that be that. Right. So. Now there's a distinct difference between the anime style and a cartoon mm-hmm. style. Right. That's, you know, like I try to explain my mom if I if I'm having a conversation with my mom, I try to explain to her what the difference is, but in her eyes it just looks like cartoons cuz right. she she grew up watching Speed Racer. Right. And oh, Speed yeah. Racer is straight up anime, but for right. her that's a cartoon. So <laughs> <laughs> so, right. I was shocked and awed that my mom even watched Speed Racer when she was growing up. There you go. So, yeah, I, I watched that show, and I was just I, again, I didn't know what I didn't know was a different style of animation at the mm-hmm. time. But that, again, that was created, you know, way, that's old, very yeah. old for Japanese animation standards. But it, it's still better than Flintstones in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, or the Jetsons or something. 
Yeah. But uh, so yeah. are you guys going to be at, in any of the um, cons that are going on? I know there's Dragon Con down there in Atlanta and a couple right. other things. But are you going to, like you mentioned that you were in uh, New York uh, Comic Con before. Yes. Uh, do you plan on going to any of the con, the, either the bigger ones or the smaller ones this coming year? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, we're actually uh, working out our schedule now uh, to see which ones we're going. Like we know uh, we're going to MeccaCon. Um, there's uh, I think it's AwesomeCon in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to go back to New York, of course. Uh, so yeah, we're working on that now. But we plan on hitting you know eight to ten different conventions. Um, we, we're doing MomoCon out here uh, coming up in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And then we do like a lot of smaller. We just did Onyx Con in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're doing a couple more uh, in the next couple of. Well, actually, we got a convention this weekend and then next weekend as well. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to be trying to travel though and, you know, get out, see a lot of different conventions. Yeah, the convention market, it's it's funny because there was a time in which you there was only but so many that you can go to. Now it seems like there's a con right. just about every single day. I was about to say, you got about two or, di- two or three different ones in every state right about now. Yeah, I know uh, we, of course, the big one is the New York Comic Con here in the tri-state, but you have the Big Apple Con and, you know, of course, uh, pretty much... In the next couple of weeks, I'll be heading out to Chicago for T- C2E2 and things of that yeah. nature. So, yeah. yeah, there's the major ones and then there's some of the smaller ones. But I find which since you've gone to New York Comic Con, you've also gone to the smaller ones. Which ones do you feel not necessarily are better, but you're you feel, I guess, more comfortable really being the um, the first, um, I guess you can say midsize comic convention I've gone to was Heroes Con. And that's in North Carolina. Mm hmm. And, um, I, I mean, if you, if anybody could have saw me, man, I look like a kid with ADD, man. It was <laughs> so many really like awesome indie, you know, uh, independent artists with comic books there, art there, uh, as well as pro, uh, professional artists there. And I mean, it was everywhere you looked everywhere. It was just, it was just like this whole smorgasbord, man, of just great art. And, um, I still love that convention. Not just because it was, you know, the first one I went to, but because of the atmosphere. It is a family-oriented convention, mm-hmm. um, and I say that not to say you may you, you may see some, you know, some costumes that are racy, but I mean the atmosphere is you can bring your whole family there and uh, meet and greet, talk to, and you know, see some brand new art from some great. Uh, great independent artists that are up and coming. Uh, they had just everything, everything there. So, still to this day, um, I, I love, I love that convention. I haven't really, I didn't get to really walk around New York. I was, I was kind of glued to the table in New York. Um, but well, New York, that's, that's just huge. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to walk around in New York. Yeah, anyway. I was about to say. You, <laughs> I, was about, I was just about to say that you kind of really don't walk. Kind of just shuffle around. Shuffle um, around <laughs> through the crowd. You, you go wherever the crowd is going, yeah, for the most part, and then you stop. So, yeah, but uh, I really, I really love the any convention that has um, uh, more intimate, you know, uh, kind of uh, situation where you can still reach the artist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and talk to the artist and things like that. I yeah. mean, uh, Heroes Con has its lines, 
because they had, like I said, they have professional artists there. But yeah, you know, for the most part, you can run into like an amazing independent artist that you can get a commission for. It's good prices, and you leave happy. Yeah, so. it's not too much you can ask for. Right. I, I do find with the bigger cons that it is kind of harder to speak. Like for me personally, of course, <laughs> being um, in industry to get in contact with people and things of that nature. It's always so loud at a lot of these, uh, like C2E. Actually, C2E2 wasn't really all that loud, but New York Comic Con in San Diego is just ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. It, that's why, with New York Comic Con, I kind of miss the fact that they don't have a uh, a press-slash-industry day. Like, Thursday used to be that day, and then now they just converted it to everyone can just show up any day. So back then, it was, like, easier to have your conversation. Uh, right. And that kind of thing. Right. So, so um, where are like some of the aside from the cons themselves? Where are some places uh, people can contact you? Um, definitely the the online. Are, we have the Facebook. We have the website, um, TuskegeeAirs.com. Um, the Facebook. We we started with the Facebook page, and that's generally where we're trying to pull a lot of our followers because we can update everybody. We can talk to them. Uh, it has a lot of versatility in terms of us posting updates and so forth. Um, uh, we have a Twitter, if that's your flavor and all that good stuff. But um, contact information is available through any of those sources. Uh, if you are trying to reach us, you know, we have TuskegeeAirs at gmail.com, things like that. But all that can be found through the, the Facebook page or our website. Awesome. Well. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys, for uh, taking the time out. I understand you guys are really busy, especially, you know, what people don't really understand in regards to uh, Kickstarters are once that, like, you know, you kind of wait to see what's going to happen. And then once it happens, you know, you it's just deadline after deadline after oh, yeah. deadline. I, I, so. I, I tell someone, I said, Kickstarter just kind of uh, defines how hard you're going to have to work in yeah, the next couple of months. Exactly. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> Because I, I remember asking uh, Kwanzaa from Black, you know, because uh, his doesn't end until the end of February. Right. And I was like, you know, uh, what's the time frame of, you know, when a product could be out? And having those kind of conversations are kind of weird because with Kickstarter, it seems like everything is rushing at you relatively quickly. Like, as soon as it ends, it's just like this thing and then that thing and then this right. thing. So. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this interview with Otaku American. Uh, so uh, I wish you guys the best. I'll be looking forward to the book and the anim- animation when it comes out. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Definitely, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for the, having us on.